The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, March 23rd. And this was going to be a AFC grades podcast for free agency. Uh, those grades have been crumpled up and thrown in the trash because... Tyreek Hill has been traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins, continuing the March Madness run of the NFL insanity of the 2022 NFL offseason. Joining me to break it down. Uh, didn't even know you were going to do an emergency podcast today. Tyler Sullivan and Jordan Dijani. What's up, boys? What's happening? What's going on? What's going on? I definitely had to like tweak my brain not to call you Ryan Wilson and, and John Breach there. <laughs> I know it's it's not the super friends, it's the super acquaintances, I think. No, 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 you guys are super friends. You guys count. I'm just saying like I'm just used to like the emergency podcast. It feels it, everything feels surreal at this point. Um Ty again Tyreek Hill traded let's get to the, the nuts and bolts of the deal. Uh Tyreek Hill traded from the for traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins in exchange. And I gotta tell you and we can get we can get to it, but I kind of thought this was a little bit light in return. The Chiefs sent a 2022 first first round pick, which was the 49ers pick because it's 29th overall, a 2022 second round pick, a 2022 fourth round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, and a 2023 sixth round pick. Uh, the Dolphins are, are then going to sign Tyreek Hill to what will be called the biggest wide receiver contract, and it was being originally framed as a three a four year 120 million dollar extension we'll talk about the the contract too but um you know there we'll we'll get to the contract in a minute there's a lot i think there's a lot of uh agent talk that yeah, being fed into that contract it, apparently 50 about 53 million dollars fully guaranteed at signing and then another 70 $3 million i think fully guaranteed at the start of the 2023 league year so Relative to Devontae Adams, he is going – Tyreek Hill is – he's – it depends how you want to frame it. I think I don't think he's going to make more on an average annual basis technically, but he will be getting more fully guaranteed money upon signing, which is you know ultimately what matters. Although – anyway, um, first reaction, Sully. What uh, – when you, when you heard – I mean, when we heard the news – how do you how do you how do you think this panned out for you know either either side I guess I mean do you think this is a smart move by the Dolphins are you are you shocked to find out the Chiefs were pulling this especially in the in the light of the Adams news or is this just another day at the office Well, you got to kind of even go back even further, right? I mean, we heard that all of a sudden Tyreek Hill is got granted permission by the Kansas City Chiefs to seek a trade, and it was down to the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets, and it was basically just kind of waiting and seeing what was going to happen. It was almost like Deshaun Watson 2.0. The teams that submitted their trade offers, you're just waiting to see where Tyreek Hill was going to go. And then ultimately ends up picking the Dolphins. I think that's probably the smartest choice uh, for a number of reasons. No state income tax, all that, you know, financial stuff. But also, you're going to a team that has a new head coach, Mike McDaniel, that is utilizing speed more than anything. I mean, that that is something that I think is the biggest thing that you look at with the Miami Dolphins. The number one thing that I was shocked about was that Jalen Waddle wasn't in the deal. If you're Kansas City, I was thinking, you know, all right, you know, you can give up, you know, you, you get some draft picks. But if I'm losing a receiver like Tyreek Hill, I want Jalen Waddle. I want a guy like that back into my offense that I can kind of make another another kind of Tyreek Hill into. And ultimately, the fact that you got to keep him, the Dolphins are going to have one of the fastest offenses in the NFL. 
Yeah, you know, Jordan. Got, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, what really shocked me about everything that just transpired is how quickly it all came to fruition, right? I mean, it, the narrative around this always sounded like the Chiefs were going to agree to terms with Tyreek Hill on a big-time extension that was going to keep him in Kansas City as him and Patrick Mahomes try to run it back and try to set up a Chiefs dynasty. Well, no. And I thought it was interesting how it was framed, all the reporters over the past hour saying that a deal was going to happen sooner rather than later. It was like that. It was very, very quick. Um, uh, in terms of the compensation, you know, Brinson, you brought it up that maybe it was a little light. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle there, honestly, especially when, it, especially with the deal they had to hand out. Now the Dolphins, of course, had the cap space to make this come to fruition. Um, finally, the other thing that kind of surprised me is the two potential landing spots in the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. I found that interesting. But also, if I was Tyreek Hill, I feel like I wouldn't have been that divided. I feel like I would have wanted to go to Miami. I'm kind of enticed and intrigued by the new lead man they have there. And I feel like I'm able to roll back the film and see what he did in San Fran and be excited about how I'm going to be utilized. Now, I can show the NFL that the Chiefs didn't make me. I was a large part in creating what they had on offense. Now, that I mean, that is you're speaking from Tyreek Hill's perspective because – he may find out the other thing with two his spiking balls at his feet and he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and uh, Andy Reid drawing a place for him. But I, I do agree with that latter point that, and I, and I do kind of wonder like were the jets willing to give up the 10th overall pick. Um, may, maybe not. I hope we find out because if they were and the chiefs were, did Tyreek a solid by sending him to Miami, which you know, I believe is where he lives and, you know, New York, Miami, both fun cities, but Miami, no state income tax. And, um, you know, New York, Zach Wilson. So uh, I would have preferred Miami as well. You would have to think that those deals are comparable, though, because didn't it what, wasn't the reporting that the Chiefs have kind of gotten both of these deals and it was just up to Tyree Kill up to where he wanted to go. If it was so one sided, the Chiefs would probably put their foot down and say, OK, well, we're not going to send you there. We're getting nothing in return. I mean, you would think that the Chiefs would be like, look, man, I know you want to go to Miami, but we're we're taking the 10th overall pick you know like you don't have a no trade clause we can do whatever we want and i mean i don't know that would be that would be really surprised so i i want to i want to know what the jets were offering I, I you have to think it was a future first but even then it's like i know some jets fans were like oh give up two first i don't care like you know and there were some people who thought maybe elijah moore or jalen waddle would be included in the deal coming back that would have been great for the chiefs but clearly not the case um yeah you know I would say that if we're looking at winners and losers in this deal, uh, you know, it's pretty easy. Tua is a massive winner here. You know, Tyreek Hill, I don't like the idea of giving up a bunch of picks to trade for a, a veteran receiver, especially one who's been, I don't, I'm not, not dependent on Patrick Mahomes, but who has been playing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid because more than likely that guy is, a ben is benefiting from having those two guys around him. Um, but, you know, I do love the fact that Mike McDaniel is going to run a San Fran style offense that gets guys into space. We we assume, and if you like picture Debo Samuel without the the carries of the backfield, and then put Tyreek Hill in there, and that's absolutely terrifying, especially when Jalen Waddle's there too, Sully. I was just going to say that. It's not only that you have to worry about Tyree Kill in that setting, it's Jalen Waddle, too. We were having those same conversations when Mike McDaniel was hired. It was, okay, you could see Jalen Waddle fitting, fitting into this Debo Samuel type of role, and that's scary enough for opposing defenses to begin with, but now that you have two guys they have to worry about in that regard, I mean, in theory, if you want to get weird about it, you can have some, like, pony-style offense with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle in the backfield, and you don't know what's going to happen. You move guys in motion. I'm excited to see how that rolls out with Mike McDaniel. Also, the number one thing I know we all like to wager every now and again. I'm fascinated to see what happens with Coach of the Year odds now with Mike McDaniel Ooh. to see how that comes out and see where we're looking at with that. Well, the, the other thing that I want to see too is, um, and I'll check right now and see if it's up. Uh, Debo, I don't know if those are out yet. The, did the AFC West or the AFC or the? Oh, oh sorry, AFC sorry, not that. I was saying Coach of the Year. Oh no, I want to see what the if they had the division odds up. I, I'm guessing they don't have AFC West back up. The Chiefs were plus money. Uh, oh, there we go. Uh, what were the go? Wait, oh, plus one seventy five now to bet on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Chargers actually leapfrogged the Broncos recently, which is a little odd. The Broncos were the second favorite. I mean, frankly, I kind of like the Raiders at plus six fifty, uh, and I'll I'll definitely be interested in the Chiefs at plus one seventy five. Um, Jordan, give me a you got a winner. Give me a winner, another winner from this uh, from this deal. 
I mean, yeah, I wanted to to continue what you were talking about with Tua. I Obviously. think it's worth bringing up that Tua has been winning all offseason, right? Look at what they did on the offensive line, adding two big pieces, and they may not be done just yet in terms of what they do in the draft. I mean, the Miami Dolphins had the worst offensive line in football last year, and that's a big reason I feel like Tua wasn't, wasn't able to um, – you know, progress and get better as we thought he might have. I mean, go back and look at week two when he took that shot to the rib cage. That obviously took a good chunk out of his season. So I think surrounding him with weapons, protection on the offensive line is obviously very, very big. Um, but how about losers? Uh, I think that one. I think that one big loser is obviously the Kansas City Chiefs because the AFC West has turned into what is straight up an arms race this off season. And it's interesting that the Chiefs are kind of on the losing end of this. I mean. When you look at the weapons for Kansas City entering 2022, obviously I'm favoring Tyree Kill over Travis Kelsey. And now that you're losing that, where do they go from now? I know we're seeing reports saying that, you know, Marquez Valdez scantling as a deep threat, but obviously that's not going to replace the production you got out of Tyree Kill. What's Kansas City? What's Kansas City going to do next? What are they going to do to try to keep up with what's becoming the best division in the NFL? Yeah, by the way, you know who else is a loser? Uh, Pete Prisco, who who filed his mock draft an hour ago. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I mean, at least it's only twenty nine that you got to swap out, and you can probably give the the Chiefs a uh, you know a wide receiver. It, you would have to think they're going to consider taking a wide receiver there. The Marcus Valdez Scantling thing. I mean, I'm not like ragging on Tom Pelissero here because he's the one who tweeted it out, but it's like he's like. Marcus Valdez Scantling on his way to Kansas City as a pot- potential Tyree Kill replacement. It's like, um, no. That's not, that's not, that's not going to work. Although I do like MVS and I mean, I think, I think it's fair to ask, ask some questions about this chief's offense, at least in terms of the weapons they have. You're now operating with Josh Gordon, Miko Hardman, Juju Smith Schuster, and, and Travis Kelsey as your primary receivers. That's not like a bad group of weapons, but I mean, is, is Miko Hardman going to take a leap and be Tyree kill or is this offense going to, sputter a little bit because they don't have that explosive wide receiver. Well, what no, are those the Chiefs have, Sorry, I was going to say the Chiefs have been waiting on that number two wide receiver for years now, and that's why they allowed Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle to walk in free agency. So, no, I don't think Hardman's going to evolve into that number two. And I also want to say this really does water down the Juju Smith-Schuster signing, in my opinion, as well, because I looked at him as a great number two. Look how you know productive he was working alongside or opposite of Antonio Brown. I thought we were going to get that with Tyree Kill, and that was going to be something that added something big to this offense. Now all of a sudden if he's thrust into again that number wide number one spot uh, i'm a bit curious to see how that looks but if you're up if you're juju i think that the, you're you're somewhat happy about this development today because you are now the de facto number one wide receiver you're going to get all the looks from arguably the best quarterback in the nfl in patrick mahomes and you're only on a one-year deal so you're going to put up stats you're going to put up numbers so if he was banking on cashing in next offseason after a year stint with Kansas City I know you're not going to have Tyree Kill on the opposite side but you're also now going to get those premier looks from Patrick Mahomes so there is some sort of benefit there for him from a statistical standpoint maybe it doesn't produce wins or anything like that but still for him hitting the market next offseason that's good for Juju yeah Juju is definitely a winner here and look let's not forget that three years ago you know Juju or maybe I guess it was four God, four years ago Juju had a 1400 yard season 111 catch 1400 yard season at age 22 and we're also talking about yes he doesn't have a number one wide receiver but let's not forget Travis Kelsey still in this offense where yeah. you still have to account for that type of a per, uh, of well, a body in the well, passing game well I mean let me just I mean I'll just throw this out like Juju is still only 25 years old he won't turn 26 until the middle of the season it's entirely possible that Andy Reid views him as a potential number one in this offense. Now, maybe he couldn't be the number one without Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh's offense, but in an Andy Reid offense, a good route runner who gets open underneath, like you don't have to be just winning in man coverage on the outside 24-7. You can, like Andy Reid will scheme stuff up and get you open for potential big plays. And you also go from the corpse of Big Ben to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you learn how to play, you know, you learn how to do some playground ball on the fly and, and, and get on the same page as Patrick Mahomes. And then you bring in, I don't know, you draft somebody at 29 potentially. Uh, you know, like I'm looking, the, the, the thought process was if Jameson, at least I know some people who are, plugged into the draft stuff we're looking at is like maybe Jamison Williams they could go with at 10 like a guy who's coming off an ACL tear but it's just a blisterer just a just a a burner um 
he might still be there at 29. That's possible, just given the, the depth of this wide receiver class, too. It's possible, but I, I, I would, you know, from speaking up here in New England, that 21 <laughs> has been a very popular spot for, for Jamison Williams to, okay. to land because obviously there's that history with Mac Jones. They have not addressed the number one wide receiver position. And, you know, that's that's a very, you know, it's been a very popular landing spot at 21 for New England. So that's, you know, that's one thing that they might have paused there. But like we've been talking about and you guys have been talking about for a while, it's a deep draft all the way around. So you right. might be able to find some talent later on, too. Yeah, like Prisco actually had Williams going to uh, the Packers at 28 and then Nicobe Dean to the Dolphins at 29. Um, all right. By the way, if you're in the. <laughs> If you're in the chat, first of all, you definitely don't think Juju Smith-Schuster's a one, judging by the flood of no's that just came through the chat. Uh, second of all, if you're watching on YouTube live and in the chat, smash the like button. Let's bang that thing up. We can't give away a hat on an emergency podcast, but you know, you never know. Debo, sometimes Debo feels like giving stuff away. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a quick break while you guys all smash the like button. And when we come back, we'll break down this trade even further. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so, I mean, I don't think you can call the Dolphins losers. Like, I, I, I tend to think the Dolphins won the trade, but I don't like the idea of giving a massive contract to, um, you know, to a, to a guy who is, like, you're, you're paying. All right, so just real quickly, I want to look at these contracts because we don't have the full details yet. But if you go and you look at what's gone on in these last two deals, you have the Green Bay Packers trading away Devontae Adams and the Chiefs trading away Tyreek Hill. And both guys, you have an argument to be the best wide receiver in football. The, the problem is what's happened with this wide receiver market. You know, Mike Williams got paid this offseason. He got $20 million. Amari Cooper, $20 million salary traded. Um, DeAndre Hopkins was making $27.25 million per year coming into the season, but it's an outlier contract because of the way that they restructured it. However, and, and the next closest guy was Julio Jones, but he just got cut by the Titans. So the next, the bef, after Tyreek Hill got paid, the fourth highest paid wide receiver is Keenan Allen. And the fifth is Mike Williams by average annual salary. The problem is this Hopkins trade, the Hopkins deal, excuse me, tweet like it, it, it was an outlier relative to the market, but Adams and Hill weren't willing to take, less than what Hopkins was making because, you know, they say we're better than Hopkins. And so the two teams who got them had to overpay on an average annual basis and on a fully guaranteed basis in order to acquire their services. I sort of wonder how this was going to affect the market moving forward. Like, you know, are these, are the, I can't see these wide receivers going about $30 million on a, on a regular basis. Like, it's it's weird how this has tweaked it because it's two elite guys who got traded and paid immediately. I don't. That was just sort of an open ended question. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, no, I think that that's what you're going to be seeing. But it's not. But I mean, you, it's the same. You're going to have the same conversation with quarterbacks now when we're starting to look at these fully guaranteed deals that all these quarterbacks are yep. getting. It's like the happiest guy in the world is Lamar Jackson right now because he's sitting waiting about all of, and seeing Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson and all these guys. 
getting fully guaranteed deals. The same thing's happening at wide receiver. You're, you're looking around the league, seeing what everybody's getting, and you're, you're adjusting the market accordingly. I mean, that's what any good agents and representatives would do in these situations. If you're, you know, I don't know who the next one would, would be up in this situation, but if you're like Jalen Waddle in a few years and you're matching production with Tyreek Hill and you're on the same team, same quarterback, hell yeah, you're going to ask for the same amount of money. Yeah, and I want to say, too, like, the market's just been weird in general. There's been contracts that surprised me both ways. I mean, Devontae Adams obviously wanted to be the highest-paid receiver in the NFL. Tyree Kill wanted to do the same. But there's other contracts that surprised me. I didn't see Mike Williams getting the, the money that he did, and you brought his, his name up next to Keenan Allen, his teammate, of course. They're in the top four when it comes to AAV. I was surprised at looking at Chris Godwin's contract. I thought he was going to get more, I thought, but that was a win-win situation since he's allowed to hit free agency quicker. Uh, the other one was Allen Robinson, too. I thought that was a candidate that could potentially reset the market, get into that top three of AAV. But I think he's out the, outside the top 10 because he's signing, obviously, with a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So the market's been all kind of topsy-turvy, in my opinion, with some of these guys. Yeah, it's it, it's just it's going to be like, I mean, we're talking about elite, elite guys who got traded. I mean, you know, guys who simply didn't get dealt five years ago, you know, I mean, it, it just didn't happen. And, and part of that too, is that teams are, you know, like less need F than picks, right. Teams are more willing to, to send away first round picks um, to get vet, to get elite level players. Uh, additionally, teams are, you know, more, more willing to take on these big salaries. The salary cap has expanded. Like, I, I mean, I joked about it on Twitter, but you know, five years ago, I remember, I remember riding down to Florida with my, with my family to go see my grandparents, like right at the trade deadline or around Thanksgiving or something. And, um, and uh, or I, mean, I can't remember what it was for, but it's like Coney Ely got dealt to the Patriots for a second round pick. It was like blockbuster trade. And now, you know, now it's like Adams and Tyreek Hill. I mean, Brandon Cooks used to be a blockbuster. Uh, and so I think this this trading of, oh, and actually, I missed that. DJ Moore on there as well. I forgot he got paid. Yeah. Um, get your stuff together over the cap. Um, anyway, so I mean, like, all right. So I guess let's rip through some more winners and losers. Uh, anything that stands out to uh, either of you guys? I mean, we hear the content hashtag content. Uh, Sully, you got a winner or a loser that that uh, that stands out to you? I'll go one clear loser for me. And again, we'll, we'll we're gonna learn more about how this all went down. In in Dejani, you said the same thing. Like this happened so quickly that it almost felt like ready made. Like all right, you know, the Jets and the Dolphins, bang right here. I want to know about the other teams that were in this conversation and into how this developed. Well, good, good, good news for you because Adam Schefter just reported. All right, let's hear Jets, it. That the Jets' offer did not include a first-round pick, which okay. is okay. Yeah, it include, but quote rather multiple picks that were commiserate to the Dolphins' offer based on the draft value chart that teams use. Mm. Interesting, and that is that is telling. That that means that this was. You know, this is more about what the like the Chiefs would have sent into New York if the Jets had offered the tenth round, tenth overall pick. I think. Right. Yeah, I think that that's that's definitely true. Or, or Elijah Moore. Or like again, the fact that none of those young wide receivers went back to Kansas City to me is surprising. That's but a what win I was, for, for the Dolphins oh, yeah. and, big and win. the Jets. You know, if they big were, win for them. You yeah. can kind of pair those guys together. You have one of the fastest offenses in the NFL, like I said earlier. But going back to a loser for me, where were the Green Bay Packers in all of this? You know, you have Aaron Rodgers on this big money deal. You could have pitched the Kansas City Chiefs, hey, listen, at least you're getting them out of the AFC. You're sending them to the NFC. I know that maybe you're you're creating a, another Super Bowl contender, but they're already going to be in that conversation anyways with how the NFC is looking. And for the, for the Green Bay Packers, all the reports were that they were going to give Devontae Adams the money. They were willing to give him the contract that he got in Las Vegas. He just did no longer want to play for the Green Bay Packers. And the relationships have soured. He wanted a clean break. He liked Vegas. He liked Derek Carr, the Fresno State boys. They want to get back together. That's all well and good, but they were still willing to give the money. So if you're willing to shell out that kind of cash, why not go out and get, get yourself another legit number one wide receiver and Tyree Kill if he's available? I don't know why you're not doubling down like these other teams are, especially when you have such an advantage at the quarterback position in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And the other thing, you know, you brought up the fact that this happened so quickly. We're talking about the Green Bay Packers, another contender that could use a legitimate wide receiver. That just adds to the weirdness of this whole situation because we were talking in the Slack room, obviously writing up landing spots and things like that. And it, I was like, let's hold on. It really does sound like it's just between two teams. And apparently this has been happening over the past couple of days in terms of trade negotiations and talks. 
Um, one loser that I did want to bring up, and I think it's pretty obvious, obvious, but the New York Jets. And, you know, I think there's a lot of fans out there that are going to be upset that that first round pick was not offered for Tyreek Hill, because I'm sure a lot of people thought that Tyreek Hill could be some someone that not only takes this franchise to the next level, but also the play of quarterback Zach Wilson as well. This The Jets have been rebuilding for decades, it seems like, and it's and, you know, swinging for the fences and being able to pick up a legitimate number one wideout, someone who's been one of the best players at his position over the past few years, is probably something that the fans really wanted to do. And the fact that they weren't able to do so, and according to this, you know, new Schefter report, the offer obviously did not even hold any kind of ground compared to what the what uh, Miami was offering. You know, that says something. So New York struck out and trying to get one of those legitimate weapons that was going to help take this franchise to the next level. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think I agree with you that the Jets are a loser in the sense that, you know, they really believed, uh, you know, as it was reported in like no bleep Sherlock that Tyreek Hill would have helped to open things up for Zach Wilson by being that deep threat by, you know, every time you, you know, every time Tyreek Hill goes deep, the defense, the, the defense is going to be opened up underneath. I mean, it's going to just make life easier. Wilson's got a cannon arm uh, great down the field you know, can, can absolutely bomb it. And that would have been a great, that would have been a really nice fit. Um, but I, I, I do agree that, or I do think that the jets not giving up one, either number four or number 10 for Tyree kill is a smart move. I think that that is, that would have been too much or Elijah Moore. Like don't, you can't, you can't give up an ascending young player on a good contract for a 28 year old who you got to pay $30 million. Yeah, we do these things, you know, you know, we have these stories like how to fix the Jets, how to fix these teams that we all get budgeted in the offseason and when the seasons come to it. And I had the Jets and the number one of the things that we put in there is find a number one wide receiver. But one of those other subjects that I put in there is don't do anything too crazy. Kind of stay the course. Don't go and make these splash signings if it if it alters your timeline. Like, I don't know if the New York Jets are a Tyreek Hill away in the next three to four years yeah. of seriously contending for a Super Bowl. So don't mortgage your future for a guy like this. If you can get him and you can move, you know, without get, getting rid of these, you know, highly, you know, sought after picks in the first round, then sure, see what happens. See if it'll open up your offense and continue to develop Zach Wilson. But again, let's not go too, too crazy. You've really solidified the offensive line. You've added some tight ends. You've added to that secondary. I, I think that they're making wise moves. They were, you know, going to get high marks from me when this was supposed to be a AFC uh, grades uh, P, uh, podcast. But, ulti <laughs> but, ulti but ultimately, I still think I like the path that they're going down. Don't get too far out in front of your skis and try to make this splash for Tyree Kill just because you're kind of suddenly in the race here. Don't don't get caught up in the bidding there because I don't feel like you're t uh, a Tyree Kill away from serious contending in the AFC East or even in the AFC. I mean, frankly, I think you could make the argument that are the Dolphins definitely a Tyreek Hill away from contending? It, it, they are certainly closer than the Jets. They're they're in a different spot, though, because I think that this move is, like, for so long, we've, Tua Tungavailoa has been in this, well, the ownership wants to see what they have, and the front office wants to see what they have, and the head coaching staff is, kind of has an eye for Deshaun Watson, we don't really know what's going to go on, he's in every trade rumor imaginable, and it was a very disjointed development in his first few years. Now, at the very least, it's, okay, United front, ownership, new hire, it's all about Tua Tungavailoa, now let's pool all of our assets to see exactly what we have in this kid. So I think that they're in different stages, the, the Dolphins and the, and the Jets. It's, all right, we have this first-round pick. We need to see what he is, so let's surround him with the best talent imaginable, and then we'll make our assessment in the, in the next few years here. Yeah, is that not the best way to find out if your quarterback is your franchise quarterback? And I think we've seen teams do that before, so I think that's a good point. The Dolphins are obviously – closer to contending than the New York Jets. But, you know, I think the biggest goal of 2022 year one with Mike McDaniel is trying to figure out if that quarterback you have under center is going to be your guy. And I think they're doing a really good job of setting themselves up for that with the additions they've made. I mean, not only the offensive line and wide receiver, like we talked about, I like what they did with the running backs. I'm kind of intrigued by Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert's a guy who's obviously, obviously very familiar with McDaniel. So said Wilson, I almost forgot about him too. I mean, this we're talking about big time additions for this Miami team, I feel like we're, we can make um, some good conclusion in terms of if Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the guy after this season. Well, I mean, if this offense can't cook, it's either a Mike McDaniel problem or a Tua problem. Like that's right. that's pretty simple. And I mean, you can give it two years, but hey, look, the Dolphins won ten games two years ago, and then nine games uh, last year. Even though you know we all thought that they were sort of uh, fraudulent in terms of like who they were beating and all that. 
I mean, look, again, I agree with you completely. If Tua is the guy, if Tua is going to be an NFL quarterback, he will show it. If he's going to be a franchise quarterback, he will show it in the next year, 18 months. And maybe it has to be the next year before they start looking at uh, different different options in the draft or, or in free agency or however it is. Um, I think that the other thing, too, you know, we talk about how uh, – Tyreek would unlock the uh, unlock the Jets' offense by you know by accentuating what Zach Wilson does best and going deep. I actually think there's a better argument to be made that Tua, coupled with Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki, or would be it would be more uh, would be better at accentuating what Tua does, which is the underneath in space crossing routes. Um, you know. Think about all the stuff that Debo Samuel did for San Francisco and, and, and without the carries, obviously, but just getting open in space and getting Tyreek the ball and watching what he can do to a defense when he's open like that, because, you know, Mike McDaniel knows how to do that. We've seen him do it in San Francisco. If Jalen Waddle and Tua, or t- Jalen Waddle and Tua, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek are running in space f- frequently in short yardage, intermediate yardage areas. Like two is a smart decision maker and can get the a smart, quick decision maker and should be able to get the ball to them uh, in those spots. And I mean, that's just how you get become extremely explosive. Yeah, for me, for me, it's just it's fascinating to see what's going to happen with Tua. And again, it, it's totally different with the Jets. They're two different organizations with two different quarterbacks on different trajectory, trajectories. So for me, it makes a lot more sense for the Dolphins to go sort of all in, I should say, with all this. But for me, if you're continuing to kind of find winners and losers here, and, and obviously I got to go here because I'm up here in New England. What is going on with the New England Patriots? How are you not in this conversation? The number one thing was trying to find a number one target for Mac Jones. Very similar argument. You want to see if this guy's a franchise guy. You made the playoffs last year. You see the rest of the conference kind of loading up. That was the only thing that was missing from your offense. I don't know why you're not in that conversation. I would have given up number 21 and and a bunch of other assets for him, for a guy like Tyreek Hill, for sure. Is it possible that the Chiefs were not willing to trade him to the Patriots? I'm sure it is, but... I mean, I don't know. This isn't the New England Patriots with Tom Brady anymore, unless you're just yeah. scared of the logo. But what's the difference at this point between the Dolphins and the Patriots? I, I, I would even argue that the Dolphins just passed the New England Patriots with this move. They are the uh, the same in terms of odds to win the AFC and the AFC East. 20 to 1 at Caesars to win, as you can see on the screen, to win the AFC. The, the Dolphins actually leapfrogged the Raiders, but as Debo notes, are still just 11th in the AFC. That's the other thing, too is like, if you're out here giving out first-round picks, you know, you didn't give away a future first, so that's fine, but you did give away a future second. I mean, there's no guarantee the Dolphins win nine games. I mean, I I think they should, given the division they're in. But, I mean, you you don't, maybe two free games against the Jets, but maybe, I mean, maybe not even with the Dolphins, maybe not even that. Um, And this, this conference is so freaking loaded. Like, I know Tyreek Hill didn't come from the NFC, but... I mean, Devontae and Russ, uh, you know, all Khalil Mack. I mean, the AFC West in particular. I mean, I think you could argue that the Raiders, uh, Chargers, and Broncos are winners here too because Ty- they don't have to face Tyreek Hill twice a year now. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. I wanted to ask you a question real quick. Uh, sure. It's kind of open-ended, but Tyreek Hill, did he make the right decision? Would have been better for him to stay in Kansas City? You know, the situation that he's always known with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL – or go into the unknown with Miami. Obviously, he got the money more that he wanted with Miami. I don't know what the Chiefs were offering him and what it was that he didn't like about it, but did, do you guys think that he made the right decision in asking for this change of scenery? That's a, it's a great question, Sully. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, again, you're, you're clearly decreasing in quarterback play. I think that's the number one thing I look at when you're talking about wide receiver movement. Is it the right choice or the wrong choice? Well, tell me who the quarterback is that you're going to. And if you're going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tungavailoa, Probably not a smart move, you know, ultimately. I don't think that that's going to be the same amount of play. So, no, I don't know if it's the, if it's the right move. It, it, it's all about motivation, though. Like, if he doesn't if, – if Tua if, – if Jalen if, uh, Waddle – if Tyreek Hill wants to just put up numbers, get paid, and, and live in hot weather, then, yes, he made the right move. You know, he's down in Miami. He's making a boatload of money. He's doing great. He wants to contend for championships and, and really, you know, put himself in position to have one of the most prolific careers – in the league or, or be maybe even the receiver of his generation. Well, then you stay in Kansas city and you, and you stay with the Kansas city chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Again, he's not going anywhere. He signed a bajillion dollar deal for two decades. He's not going anywhere. So, 
for it just depends on the motivation there. But for me, looking at the quarterbacks, no, it was a clear downgrade for him. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a choice of do you want to do you want to try to win a ring or do you want to get a, get a lot more money? Because I, I I really believe, despite what the Chiefs will leak out and despite what the Packers leaked out, that they were not interested in resetting the market for these top tier wide receivers. Because again, and I've said I've said this over and over again, DeAndre Hopkins' contract was an outlier. It, it was not the market, it, but it was the, you know, it, I can totally see at the same time, the argument from Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. They're like, look, we don't, I don't, we don't care what the, I don't care what Mike Williams is making. I'm not taking Like I'm not signing a contract that is less than Deandre Hopkins. And when you're at that level of skill and in, in, in the NFL, you know, and at these you know, highly, you know, like these, these highly focused on positions, you don't want you're not willing to take less than what the top guy's making. It's humiliating. It made people are like, really? Tyree Kill's taking less than DeAndre Hopkins? Even if it, you have to spin it as like the guaranteed thing. So I can I can see why he would say, you know what? I'm going to Miami. No income tax. Um, I'm getting $53 million in my bank account tomorrow. Like, okay. I mean, you know, sorry, Pat. See ya. Like, you know, if the Chiefs don't want to pay me, I'm, I'm out. I think for me, again, if you know, one of the more underrated, you know, winners of this whole thing, like we're talking about, you're talking about resetting markets and all of these receivers paying attention. If you're Jamar Chase right now, I know you just finished your rookie year, but how you know huge of a piece you were to that Chiefs offense and to reaching a Super Bowl and how close you are and how prolific you've been with Joe Burrow. Over these next few years, talk about a carrot dangling in front of you when you are starting to reach that point where you can hit open and unrestricted free agency. I mean, you're talking about another record-breaking, market-setting deal, and you could get maybe one of those earlier than expected now because of how prolific you've been so early if you continue this pace. For me, I think he's looking at this and other young wide receivers going into the league being like, all right, I'm about to get paid, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what's going to happen with Terry McLaurin and AJ Brown? Those guys are even closer to those extensions. And I mean, what's the what's the right move for these franchises, right? Do you try to get it done now before something else crazy happens, or or what? I think that's what I, you see, right? I think I that's definitely think, what you see. I think with a guy like uh, AJ Brown or Terry McLaurin, um, who else is up for a? You know, uh, I'm trying to think who else, like DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. You know, the, it'll be interesting conversations to have. I would, yeah, I mean, a, again, that's the problem. Like, if the tire, if the if the DeAndre Hopkins contract had just gotten wiped off, you could easily just be like, all right, look, we're twenty five million dollars a year. You know, for you, you know, like you you move from like you move up from the twenty million to the twenty five or maybe twenty three million, and you're the top paid wide receiver. I mean, it wasn't long ago that Michael Thomas, you know, was the highest paid wide receiver in football, and his deal is like 10, $10 million less than what these top guys are making on a, on a yearly basis. So I, I, I don't think that Justin Jefferson will be totally willing to settle for 25 million, but the difference is these, uh, you know, th these younger players are, you know, still susceptible to the fifth year option and, you know, the franchise tag. So that all factors into it as well. The tag number moves up now because of the top you're averaging the top five highest paid, but you still only have three guys above 20 million. So th they'll probably be able to get these, these younger receivers to sign somewhere in that range between, um, I guess, Keenan Allen and, uh, Hopkins would be the, the range you're looking at, probably. I think another thing you got to look at here, too, though, with wide receivers, obviously, you know, the, the position's not going away or anything like that, but I do think that you're going to see some of these teams faded a little bit more. Like you were talking about with, with Green Bay and Kansas City, they just did not want to pay the market value for these type of wide receivers. I think you're going to see things shift a little bit more where you see teams maybe spending a little bit more at tight end and at running back and all of these positions that historically haven't been as is crazy money. I mean, we've seen it already this year. A ton of these teams replacing the franchise tags on tight ends because the money was dirt cheap for them. I think that you're going to start seeing teams move the money around a little bit that way, almost, you know, similar to kind of like what New England did last year. I think that they did that signing John New Smith and Hunter Henry because it was, they, they saw value there. They're providing, you know, upper echelon pass catching ability, but at an extremely cheap rate. And then they sign like tier two, tier three wide receivers on the other end. I think you'd see more of that around the league, especially if these elite guys are really breaking the bank and, and kind of sucking on your cap a little bit. Yeah. And the other thing too, Jordan, is that when you start to look around, you know, we've, we've had a pretty, 
pretty big influx of young receivers. It started a couple of years ago, but it's really accelerated over the last few years with these young receivers. Like a Justin Jefferson comes in and is just absolutely dominant. Um, I mean, it's possible these teams can say, look, you know, we, we appreciate, uh, you know, what you, what you are as a player and, and everything. But at the same time, we feel like we can draft your replacement in the same vein that we found you in the draft. Yep. I would agree with that. And, you know, not that the wide receiver position is going the way of the running back where you just want to bring in young talent or anything, but I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to these guys at the top of the market and those record breaking deals that they signed and kind of how they fare and those changes of scenery as well. Yeah. Agree completely. Sorry. I'm texting with Pete. I'm uh, telling him he got caught in a lie because his pod, his mock draft went up an hour ago. He's like, he texted back. He's like, it went live yesterday. Shut up and do your little podcast. <laughs> That's how you know you've got Pete. That's how you know you've got Pete cornered. He starts lashing out. Um, by the way, smash the like button. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, uh, might as well hit the, you know, hit the subscribe and uh, hit the alert button too. Cause we get emergency podcast. Um, when uh, you know when 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 breaking news like this happens, and I mean, frankly, my wife, AK, is so sick of of the. You know, she's like, I thought the free agency trade deadline was over. I'm like, you don't know. One, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, two, uh, no, it's not over. It never ends. Is this the craziest off season? I mean, it's the craziest off season I remember. And but I mean, I don't want to. You know, I hate to, like I always say, I hate to get caught up in hyperbole. But I mean, since you guys started CBS, craziest off season. 100%. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it's fair to say one of the craziest in NFL history, if not the craziest. I mean, I, I just wrote a piece for CBSSports.com ranking the top 10 NFL offseason transactions just by their level of craziness, surprise, whatever it may be. And you look at this list. I mean, it's Amari Cooper being traded to the Browns is number nine on a list of, of so many things that's happened. And one of the other reasons I think this is one of the craziest, if not the craziest offseason in NFL history is because of the high rate of speed of the quarterback carousel, right? I mean, when's the last time we saw this much movement when it came to starting quarterbacks in the NFL, the arms race going on in the AFC West, that's truly what makes it the craziest offseason to me. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing too, you know, we, yeah, we joked about the Coney Ely, like Coney Ely was a big trade at the deadline or like Brandon cooks being dealt from the saints and, or was he, he was a trade deadline deal to the Pats, I think. Right. Uh, no, he was, he was he in was the off season. season. Uh, Akeem Tlaib was an in-season trade for new England. That was a big okay. one for them at the time. Or maybe, maybe it was, he was the off season. He was in season. Garoppolo trade. was one that was, that was massive. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Like Jimmy G like a, like a backup quarterback you know, like a backup quarterback or, you know, a pass, like Keneally, like a second tier pass rusher who didn't pan out on his, his rookie deal or Brandon Cooks, you know, a, a, a number two wide out. I mean, we've seen Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, Khalil Mack traded this all season. Like those names are, that's it. Those are insane names to be sent packing. Uh, and by the way, all involved in the AFC West, which is even crazier. Um, you know, like, do, by the way, do you think, do you think that Tyreek Hill already having won a Super Bowl? Maybe kind of changes the equation too. That, yeah, I know that's absolutely non sequitur, but I just it just popped in my head. Yeah, that's exactly what I was kind of alluding to earlier. Like he's made his money, or he's he's won the championship. Now it's about time making making the money. You know, if he had never won one before, then maybe you, you want to get that on your resume. But the motivation here is yes, you're going from a lesser quarterback from Mahomes to Tua, but you're going to Miami. You're gonna you know live in the sunshine, and you're gonna get paid very very handsomely. So I think that 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 was the motivation there. And yeah. another thing that might have had something to do with it, and tell me if I'm off base here, but <laughs> everything that's gone on in the AFC West this offseason, that's gone, it's gone absolutely crazy. Did that have something, anything to do with Tyreek Hill wanting a change of scenery? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't, I mean, I, it's not a crazy idea, but I, I, you know, I don't think he's going to Miami thinking I've got a better chance to win a Super Bowl than right, I do yeah. in, in Kansas City. Um, and, and it's in, you know, I mean, the, the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I would say a little off base. Not to. Not okay. to I mean, it's, it's not. It's not a crazy idea, and, and Lord knows any theory is is always plausible on the Pick Six podcast. I just think it's probably. I think it's more about him liking Miami than wanting to get away from KC because I think Adam Schefter tweeted that he was quote torn about the decision. So I mean, you would you know you have to think he. I mean, obviously, everybody likes Miami better than Kansas City. I mean, right? I've yeah, never maybe. been to Kansas City, but yeah, I, I yeah. agree. <laughs> and you know, this again, the state income tax matters. Um, the oh, the actual picks per Mike Garofalo of NFL Media, thirty-five and thirty-eight were offered from the Jets to the Chiefs in the in the um, in the initial deal. 
as opposed to five or six picks. Yeah, there's that's that's. I'm sure they don't really match more, up. I'm guessing they wanted that first round pick, and and look, man, they probably think they can find a wide receiver in the first round who will not match what Tyreek Hill does, but you know, if, you know, an ascending young player on a rookie contract is inherently more valuable than a veteran wide receiver who is speed reliant, like a slow Tyreek Hill ain't, you know, ain't, you know, if he's not cheetah, I'm not saying he's slowing down, but you never know how, how somebody's going to age. Um, you know, is he, will he be just as motivated, you know, in Miami with $53 million as he was in Kansas city? You would think so, but again, you never know. Um, it's, it's somebody in the chat points that he's 27. Yeah. He's he'll turn 28 in the season. So I mean, just, it's fair. Just a yellow. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, any other, uh, winners or losers from this deal? I think anybody who owns Tyree kill and dynasty and fantasy is probably a loser. I think that that one, you know, again, we're talking about, did, is it the right choice for Tyree kill going from Kansas city to Miami? Uh, from a production standpoint, I don't think so. Again, you're, you're just decreasing the quarterback play there. Where I don't, you know, I don't know Mike McDaniel how he, if he creates this unbelievable offense where he's putting up ridiculous numbers. I still think Tyree Kill will still be a upper echelon fantasy option, but I don't. I think gone are the days where you had that conversation where he was a you know bottom of the first round type of pick. There, I think you're still you're talking about bottom of the second, early third type of kind of range there after you get your running backs. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I am kind of intrigued. I feel like there's going to be, you know, a different section of people who are like, oh, him teaming up with Mike McDaniel in this offense, some short stuff might be going on. PPR value might be kind of enticing, but I think you're probably more correct on that. Uh, speaking of some other losers, how about guys like Preston Williams and Devontae Parker? Yeah. Now the Dolphins have added three guys, or including last year with Jalen Waddle. now three guys that are above you on the depth chart that clearly this new reg. reg- uh, Jordan cut out, or did I? Did my audio cut out? No, I think Jordan, okay. Jordan might have cut <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, it sounded like your audio. Your, your check your mic, Jordan. But the um, yeah, I mean, I agree. That's a good call. There's, no, no, it's totally true. Yeah, the second level, uh, the second level, not off base. There, the second level, uh, Dolphins receivers. I mean, you know, Devontae Parker, former first round pick. I mean, what kind of run? Like, what? How many snaps per game is he getting now? I mean, you know, pretty minimal when you've got a guy like when you got and, and you got to figure. You know, with the way that they, with the, I mean, we're assuming that Mike McDaniel's offense is going to be similar to Kyle Shanahan's. That feels like a very reasonable stance to take. Um, you know, it's not going to be like four wide receivers out there all the time. They're going to be trying to run the ball a bunch. Uh, and, you know, it's possible Tyreek Hill's volume, you know, I mean, his volume plus, you know, whatever volume Waddle gets just absolutely snuffs out Parker in those impressive. But not, but not only that, Will, it's, it's, you know, if you're talking about trying to adopt a San Francisco type of offense, you're incorporating the tight end quite a bit there. We Absolutely. saw it with, jo- with George Kittle. Now you're going to get that with with uh, Gesicki there now as well. Obviously, he's playing on the franchise tag. So, like, there's targets. You know, targets could be hard to come by there, especially now with Tyree Kill there. Yeah, no question about it. Um, all right, any other uh, any other winners or losers? Anything else we got to cover on this um, on this podcast? I I'm sure. I'm sure there are. I'm sure actually, there are, but we'll we'll find them at some point. Well, uh, actually, let's. Uh, <laughs> um, just thinking through this. All right, if you had to, if you had to slot out, okay. Let's let's look at the bigger picture stuff for the AFC East and the AFC West. Um, very quickly. Sorry, I was I was filibustering. Um, Jordan, did you get your bike back? Are you no. still muted? Weird. Um, still muted. Check, 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 see if you're muted. Uh, if you had to slot out the AFC East, if you're if you're picking it right now, Sully, what would you go with? I'm going uh, clearly Buffalo. You know, yeah. Buffalo is the clear cut number one. I'm taking Miami over New England, then wow. New England, and then the New- and then the New York Jets. I mean, I I was having that I was having that feeling where it's a coin flip before this trade, and you know, especially when you solidify the offensive line with Teron Armstead, you make all of those type of moves. The Patriots haven't done much of anything. I know they had the big splash offseason last year. Very quiet this year. You you know brought back a couple of key names. Trent Brown's a big one. Devin McCourty. You know you know you 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 make some small moves. Ty Montgomery. You bring back James White. But ultimately, not enough that's going to put you over the edge there. And especially when you're talking about getting into these type of shootouts, I, I don't really like what they've done so far. Especially when they haven't addressed the secondary and lost J.C. Jackson. So they're the number three team, and then the Jets. They're Jets they're in a, clearly last, yeah. clearly last, but they're an ascending team too. Like I like what they've been doing. I love their off season so far. I mean, you, you're talking about Jordan Whitehead, DJ Reed. I mean, they've made a bunch of moves that I really like. And if they were to, to get Tyree Kill in this alternate universe, then 
you know, you're, you're like, okay, here they come. But I still like where they're going. And uh, for me, it's their, their arrows pointing up, even though they're last in New England, even though they're third above them, their arrows pointing down a little bit. Where are you going uh, Miami or New England as the number two team in the division, Jordan? Well, am I back? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay, I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I'm shocked. Did you say that the Miami Dolphins are now your number two in, in the yes. AFC East? Ooh. Yes, they are. You know, I think that's interesting, especially coming from you. I mean, I'm leaning towards the Patriots at my number two. Obviously, the Bills are number one, as you said. I mean, with the Patriots, their offseason has not been up to par, right? They've left a little bit to be, to be desired, especially losing some of their bigger pieces. But – at the same time, I do think that second and third spot is going to be very close, as it was last year. I think the Patriots with 10-7, and seven, Dolphins 9-8, and eight, it really could come down to the wire between those two teams. And as intrigued I am by Mike McDaniel and this new offense that he's putting together. together. Uh, I think we, we lost him again. Um, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, I, I think I agree with you. I think, well, I think he was going to go with Pats too. Yeah. I think I would take the Dolphins. I think I would probably pick the Dolphins too uh, as well right now. And I'm certainly, I'm sure I would regret it within, you know, like three weeks of the season starting. Uh, does this move the Chiefs out of the top spot for you, Sully, in the AFC West? Uh, no, I, I still want to see how they, how they try to fix the wide receiver position. I'm going to kind of wait and see how that goes. I'm still going to leave them number one. I still like the the quarterback position better than anybody else in that division. But you're 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 splitting hairs here now. You're getting a little. You know, it wasn't like a few years ago where okay, you're just heads and shoulders above everybody else in this division. Now it is unbelievably tight from top to bottom. I mean, it's not like the AFC East where there's the Buffalo Bills and then it's just kind of conversations as you go down the list. It, you are splitting hairs between the Chargers and the Broncos and even the Raiders. I, I know that the, the quarterback position isn't as star-studded with Derek Carr under there as opposed to Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson, but that's still a, a formidable offense that they're going to have to deal with. So I still like Kansas City. I want to see how it goes. I like Juju Smith-Schuster there as a number 1B, and then Travis Kelsey there obviously still solidifying that offense, and I want to see what they do at wide receiver. I'll keep them there. But if they go into the season with just this, then I think you got to have that conversation of the Chargers or, or the Broncos kind of jumping over them. Yeah, I don't think it is crazy at all to suggest that any of the four teams could win that division. And that's why Vegas has the Chiefs yeah. are now plus 175. I, I mean, if you're going to give me Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes at almost two to one to win the division, I, I don't care who else is in the division. I'm probably going to take it because there's a lot of a lot of variables with the other teams. But I mean, if the Chiefs don't bring in another wide receiver, you know, you can look at this offense and say, eh, it's not quite as dynamic and Travis Kelsey's a little bit older and you, know, you have to trust a leap of faith from Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman. Yeah. But I mean, again, I'm probably going to end up betting the Chiefs and picking the Chiefs and I'll, I'll be on an island. like or Not on an island, it'll be a small island because everybody's going to go with the trendy uh, teams who made all the additions this offseason. All right. That's it for the Tyreek Hill traded to Miami Dolphins emergency podcast that no one saw coming. And also, by the way, like, you know, you mentioned the Watson thing, Sully. It's like the, you know, that thing was like, what, six weeks or like nine months in the making. It was like Tyreek Hill could be traded. And then it was like, okay, Tyreek Hill is getting traded right now. Like this is going down. Uh, it came out very quickly and erupted. And that's why we have you guys, uh, you know, here to help out to do the emergency podcast. Thanks for doing it for Sully, for Jordan. I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later. Make sure to smash that like button. Talk to you guys later. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wayne, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus.